0: We're glad you're listening. Well, good morning, everyone. We've been in the series through the summer of being church together. And we've kind of been uh, meandering through the book of Ephesians, but also looking at some other passages throughout the summer as well. But what does it mean for us to be the church? Uh, what is the church and what is the church's vision and purpose? Uh, JR kicked us off in the series uh, talking about the, the key elements of discipleship, of having a missional posture, um, that the church is a, a, a community where each person is gifted and is called to participate in the life of the community using their gifts and talents, that the church is a place where faith is, is lived out, uh, that is practiced uh, together and reminded us of kind of the history of Renew and who we are as a community and and uh, that central idea that we have been renewed, that we are being renewed, and we are called to join God in the renewal of all things. And and at the very core, Jr. called us to remember is that the church is a community that proclaims Jesus is Lord and surrenders to the Lordship of Jesus. that is central to who the church is, that Jesus is Lord of the church, Jesus is Lord over all creation. And that also invites us in to that question. And I want to just ask it again, Jesus is Lord over what? What do you need to proclaim Jesus is Lord over today? What do you need to be reminded that Jesus is Lord over today? What do you need to surrender to Christ's lordship? And and so it could be, Jesus, you are Lord over my sex life. You are Lord over my sexuality. Jesus, you are Lord over my finances. You are Lord over my family, over my house, over my job. Uh, Anything that you just need to be reminded today that Jesus is Lord over. And so I actually want you to, to turn to your neighbor and and proclaim that to your neighbor, or if you're not in a position where you can feel like you can proclaim it, you can ask your neighbor to remind you that Jesus is Lord in those areas. So just take a couple minutes to do that now. And then after after, Jesus, uh, after Jr. kicked us off with that uh, first teaching, we we looked at and just kind of gazed at in amazement, hopefully there was some amazement, at, at the extravagant and radical vision of the church that is laid out in the book of Ephesians. Uh, just a couple examples, like, well, the way Paul talks about the church in Ephesians is just, just incredible, and sometimes we're like, could that really be true? Uh, but here's just a couple examples of Uh, 2, 19 through 22. The church is God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus as the cornerstone. We are a growing temple in the Lord, being built together into a dwelling of God's Spirit. That the church is this beautiful sanctuary in which God's Spirit dwells. God's Spirit dwells in each of us and collectively in all of us. This beautiful vision extravagant vision. Or, or in three, chapter 3, verse 10, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. The manifold wisdom of God being made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. The church formed through the grace of God and the peace that Jesus brought is to display the manifold wisdom of God. This is a radical, vision. And, and there's so much more in the book of Ephesians. We talk about how this is, we, we don't always see these things in, in our day-to-day life as the church, but this is God's way of holding the, the vision of the church at its best before us so that we can live out of that vision, live into that vision. I was thinking about this, you know, this The other day, recently, there was a a baseball game, a Field of Dreams game played in my home state of Iowa, middle of the cornfield, uh, based off the movie, The Field of Dreams, where this guy uh, transforms his his cornfield into into a baseball field. And there's this classic line in the movie where these guys show up. Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. And... And I feel like this is, this is what the church is supposed to look like. Where people come in, is this heaven? No, it's the church. Like we're, we're not quite there yet. But that's the call of the church. That's God's radical vision for the church is to, to be a picture of what heaven is going to look like. We're not going to get it perfect. We know that we haven't. But that's God's vision that he's holding before us of what it is to be the church. And we looked at how all of that is rooted in the love. Just keep coming back to the church as a place where we are growing and knowing and experiencing the love of Christ. What it means to be truly loved by God. And, And so we remind one another in words and also in our actions that the church is a community where we actually experience what it means to be loved and loved deeply by God. Uh, my boys really wanted to see the movie Space Jam, the new Space Jam movie. Uh, going to see it, I was reminded of how old I'm getting because uh, the first one feels like forever ago with Michael Jordan, uh, but now this new one with with uh, LeBron James in it. And My wife likes to make fun of me because I often get wrapped up in the theology that's being portrayed in movies and all these things. I'm not saying Space Jam is a theological movie, but there's there's some, some pretty cool themes in it. Um, but one scene in particular, uh, there's the so course of the movie, not trying to spoil it if you want to see it, um, but basically LeBron James and his son are separated through this disagreement and, and um, there's this separation and... There's this opportunity where they come back together trying to be reconciled. And and the father speaks to his son and he says, Do you understand how much I love you? Do you understand how important you are to me? How very special you are? And and friends, my prayer for us is that we are together. Uh, Even this morning that you hear The voice of God the Father speaking that to you. Do you understand how much I love you? Do you understand how important you are to me? How very special you are? The church is a place where we are to be continually growing in our understanding of what it means to be loved by Christ. And growing in our love for Christ and for one another. And from there, we looked at how this love is expressed, and and this love is meant to be expressed through these one through one anothering this idea of one another and we talked about how there's so many uh, exhortations in the New Testament to how we're supposed to treat one another. And the one that's repeated most is love one another, but that love is li- lived out through these other one anothering passages. And this gives us a real clear picture of what it means to be church as family. What does it mean to be together in a family? How do we treat? Each other, how do we love one another? How do we honor one another, encourage one another, build one another up? Uh, actually, that idea of building one another up is, is frequently repeated as well, at least 16 times uh, in the New Testament, where we have this idea that we are called to build one another up. We do that through the way we love one another, honor one another, submit to one another, forgive one another. All of these one another's really take that love one another and put it into the practice is not always easy, um, but that's what it looks like to actually live out that extravagant vision that we talked about. And then we then we just talked about the significance of scripture that we are a, a people that are rooted in God's word, and that that god's words in in scripture are dynamic and powerful they actually speak into our lives situations. so we have the opportunity to use scripture to encourage and bless uh challenge one another with power and creativity and then our last gathering we talked about the church as a body and how each Each body part, each member of the body has different gifts. We talked about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. How Jesus is the fullness of these gifts and the fullness of grace. And out of his fullness, he gives these gifts to the church so that we can look and act more and more like him. There's this encouragement to pray for these gifts for our church, for ourselves, so that we can build others up, minister to one another, so that we we are a, a community that is growing and understanding these gifts and exercising them together. Know how we're wired and what it is that God wants to do with us and the way He has wired us and gifted us. And today we come to the the, I want to take a look at the last chapter of Ephesians. And here's so we have church's family, church's body. And in this last chapter, Paul describes the church as a spiritual army. And we're not going to sing Onward Christian Soldiers today. For some of you, just breathe a sigh of relief. And for others, you are really disappointed that we're not seeing it today. But anyway, we're, I want to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The first thing that's really important for us to see is that as a spiritual army, our battle is not with flesh and blood. Our battle is against evil and wickedness, against the forces of evil, not flesh and blood. It's so important for us to remember who we're fighting against, who the battle is against. It is most certainly not with one another. Ephesians 4.3, be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In a world where divisiveness is pre- prevalent. The churches should look different. That we should be committed to our unity with one another. That our battle is not with one another. Though we, there may be lots of things we disagree about. Like love and unity is the core of what the church is supposed to look like. So we're devoted to Christ and devoted to one another certainly this takes work. It takes a supernatural grace, a humility, patience, wisdom to be united in love for Christ and a desire for one another to be built up into his fullness. And so our battle is not with one another. Our battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's against forces of evil that actually would divide us or the forces of evil that separate us from one another. The second thing is that the battle has already been decisively won in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So our battle is not with flesh and blood, but our battle has been won with his flesh and blood. So Paul is actually using an Old Testament text here. He's actually pulling this. From Isaiah 59, where Isaiah is prophesying of God's victory, where God is the one who puts on this armor. This is verses 15 through 17, Isaiah 59. Now the Lord saw, and it was displeasing in God's sight that there was no justice. God saw that there was no one, and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. Then God's own arm brought salvation, upheld by God's own righteousness. The Lord put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation. God put on garments of vengeance and wrapped himself with zeal as a cloak. And so we see that God's power is expressed in God putting on the armor. And Christ decisively winning this victory through his righteousness, through his salvation, through his truth. So Paul develops that picture for us as the church. If this is how God wins a victory, then this is how we too stand in that victory and continue to win the battles. We live in that decisive victory, and we have to continue to use the armor and the tools that God gives us, and not the tools or the weapons of evil. So even though that battle has been, the victory is decisive. We also recognize that evil is insidious. That darkness does not go down without a fight. It continues to fight, kicking and screaming, trying to pull us down. And sometimes that's with bigger assaults, of suffering and pain and, and all of those things. And sometimes just through the small little things that distract us from what it means to be be followers of Jesus. This is our call as a church, as God's spiritual army. The church is called to get the hell out. And so inflection is is really important there. I'm not sure that I got it right, but church is called to get the hell out. Not to get the hell out of here, but to get the hell out. That we, as a people who have been redeemed by God, and redeemed by Christ are called to manifest God's kingdom will and reign in our lives and in the world to push out the forces of hell. Being church together is contending with and for one another for the sake of the gospel, for the kingdom of God that Christ has ushered in, for the faith in Jesus that leads us continually into life over death. And so we have to put on the weapons, put on the armor of God rather than the tools of wickedness. So put on the belt of truth, which is the truth that God is the creator, that God made the world lovingly and wisely, the truth of a new creation that has been ushered in through Christ, that God in Christ has reconciled the world and is renewing all things. That truth, that belt of truth, is the gospel, the good news. Of Christ's reconciling, redeeming work, that we are living into a new creation. The breastplate of justice and righteousness. God's purpose is to put all things right. That God is working to make all things right. And God's commitment to sort out all that is wrong. And so we have this commitment that God's justice will be realized. And so we work toward that. Even in the midst of chaos, we are secure and continue to work for what is right. We receive Christ's righteousness. We get to put that on. Christ has put us in right relationship with God, and so we live with that breastplate on, that we are in right relationship with God through Christ, no matter what may come. We'll put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. This is the good news of chapter 2. Paul writes about the peace that we, that in Christ we have been, Uh, reconciled to God, that we have peace with God, but also peace with others. And so we're ready for battle against those who want to make war. We do that by actually working for peace. The shield of faith and the evil one continues to fire arrows, temptation through deception, shame, isolation, doubt. Did God really say, or if you are God's child, then... But faith is that we are sure of who God is, what God has done, and who we are because of what God has said and done. And the helmet of salvation, that that God has done it. God has saved us. And we know that what God will do is he's making all things new. So we are secure in that salvation That allows us to think wisely out of that place of security, out of that place of salvation. Then we also have the sword of the Spirit that we get to yield, the Word of God. That is God's spiritual armor, so important that we soak in Scripture. And most importantly, the message of Scripture what is it telling us about who God is? The who of that message of Jesus. These words give us power. The word of God gives us power to defeat evil. This past spring, we, uh, Adrian actually led a Bible study on John 16, All All weeks were just centered around this verse. We marinated it like, like uh pulled pork in barbecue sauce, marinating it, just soaking it in, trying to understand all what it means. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And Adrian talked about how how we overcome How did Jesus overcome and how do we overcome in this beautiful comparison of of the tools and the weapons of evil? How we, it's so tempting to try to use those tools. Like Those are being used against us and the temptation is to fight back with those. This is how evil wins. Evil wins by actually getting us to join its ways. So evil is victorious if we choose to pick up the tools of evil. And if we refuse to do that, then evil tries to do the last thing that it can do is to kill us, which is what evil did to Jesus. And praise God, it didn't work. (laughs) Jesus is victorious. And so we have to be aware of these tools, these weapons of evil so both to be aware of how they're being levied against us and the temptation that it can be for us to pick them up. Some of these tools, weapons. this isn't an exhaustive list. Self-centeredness or selfishness, greed, pride, lust, hate, lies, meanness, despair, depression, confusion, distraction, anger, harshness. Violence, suffering, enmity, division, isolation, persecution, malice, abuse, half-truths, bitterness, resentment, shame. These are some of the tools or weapons of evil. But On the other hand, we have Christ's weapons and tools that that Paul writes to us and reminds us that we have been created anew in Jesus. And so we put on Christ. We take up His weapons and His tools. This is, again, it's not an exhaustive list, but there's some of them that we've been talking about um, and others that are mentioned in other parts of Scripture and others that we know through experience too. Truth, righteousness, salvation, the gospel of peace, faith, the Holy Spirit, Scripture, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, self-denial, grace, prayer, blessing, worship, mercy, forgiveness. These are the weapons of Christ. These are the tools we need, that we need to use. They're not weapons of destruction. They are the gear that helps us to build up, to be built up ourselves and to build up others. Equips the community, this army for kingdom mission and ministry. This happens through intentionality. We have to to lay down the old tools and pick up the new ones. We have to intentionally put these things on to be strong in God's strength, in a victory that is already won. We cannot win with the weapons of evil. We have to put them off and put on the new self, put on Christ and his armor. Romans 12, 21 reminds us that we do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. You can't beat evil with evil. You can only beat evil with good. You cannot beat hate with more hate. You can only beat hate with love. So we have to choose our weapons wisely. Romans 16, 19 through 20, Paul writes, The report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I am rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And in Matthew 16, uh, Jesus is asking his disciples about his identity. Who do people say I am? That's a really important question for us. Who do you, who do you say I am? Who do you say Jesus is? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responds to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church built on Jesus, the cornerstone, the Christ, the son of the living God. church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us because of the power of Christ, the Son of the living God, and his weapons and his tools. The message puts it this way, this is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. But we actually get to get the hell out. Church, we have been called out of darkness, out of evil, out of sin, redeemed from the forces of hell into God's kingdom, God's family, God's household, Christ's body, and Christ's army. We are called to get the hell out, to stand firm against the forces of evil, break the gates of hell that form against our own hearts, that form in our own lives that keep us from God's fullness. We're also called to do that in the lives of those around us, to tear down those gates of hell in the lives of people around us and in our communities and in our world, those gates that keep us from the fullness of God. Just a few questions for you. What weapons of evil do you notice being levied against you in this season? Be wise and discerning. What's evil trying to do to you? What gates of hell may be keeping you from God? And then what armor of God, what weapons of Christ, of goodness might be especially helpful for you in tearing down those gates of hell or in guarding yourself and being prepared to battle against those weapons of evil? Lastly, who might contend with you? The church is a community where a body to contend with one another. Who can contend with you in this season? Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes to us as Christ's spiritual army to put on the full armor of God, and then he tells us to pray. Pray, pray, and pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and intercessions. Be alert and Always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray, keep on praying, live a life of prayer. All circumstances, every situation, on all occasions, with all types of prayer and petition in the Spirit. And Paul has demonstrated some different types of prayer throughout this letter. There's worship and adoration. There's intercession for the church. He's praying for wisdom and knowledge and growth. Uh, all kinds, types of different prayer. Paul says, use them all. Use all the weapons. Teach your heart to be prayerful. So I want to invite us into that now, just to pray together. You can get in groups of three or four or five, however many. Just pray. Pray. Whenever you feel led, pray for the church. Pray for Renew. Pray for individuals you know who are in a battle. Name the weapons of evil you're facing and claim God's armor to defeat them pray with and for one another, contend with one another, seeking God's heart, seeking God's power and strength at work in our lives. Now, if you're visiting or new, i like you to participate as you feel most appropriate. You can join in praying with your group. If you feel like, yeah, I just want to join right in. You can ask for prayer. If that's something you just, hey, could you guys pray for me? We'd love to do that. You can just listen. If you just want to join the group and listen. Or if you feel like it'd be best for you to take a stretch break, or maybe you have questions about our church or what we've talked about, you can come chat with me while all these groups are praying. I know some folks are still praying together, and I never want to interrupt that. Uh, We'll have more opportunities to pray. Pray. We'll have a, a prayer team available after the end of our gathering, if you just want to continue in that posture of prayer, uh, want folks to pray for you in any way. Uh, but Paul closes his letter in this way to the Ephesians. Ephesians 6, 23 through 24. Peace to the brothers and sisters. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying grace. Incorruptible love. And Renew, I just I wanted to include this at the end because I have seen lots of expressions of love through the people of Renew. We heard some stories of this earlier in our gathering. Seen lots of beautiful expressions of love, what it means to be church. In Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, he he keeps commending their love, their faith expressed in love, has a good reputation. It gives Paul cause for great gratitude, and I'm very grateful, Renew, for the ways I've seen you all loving in different ways. But even as Paul commends them, he also challenges them to keep growing in love, to abound even more, to excel more and more in love. This is how we get the hell out. This is how we stand firm and victorious. Love is the ethic is the character of the new creation, the victory that Jesus has won. So brothers and sisters, abound, excel even more in love to overcome evil with good. You love Jesus with an undying and incorruptible love. Love excels. God's love is unfailing, is undying, is incorruptible. So we have to root, root again, root ourselves, remind ourselves again through the Holy Spirit of God's immense love for us, demonstrated through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so we did this a, a few weeks ago. And as a worship team comes to uh, lead us in responding to God's love in worship, I just wanna invite us to into that posture of embrace. No uh, COVID, there are COVID concerns. And if you don't feel it's appropriate for you to to embrace and feel that's a a risk. I really would love for you to find somebody in your family who you feel that would be appropriate for. Um, Find a way to just show one another the love of Christ. And we've done this before. How much does Jesus love me? And we show the posture of Christ on that cross, arms wide open, ready to embrace us, to show us the immense depth and width of his love for us. I invite you to do that now. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.